0: This is Keith Williams, Inker, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics.
1: Smooth.
2: Yeah, it was like, didn't need 20 takes like last week. the week before. Was that the week before? No, it was oh, we did twice in a row. It was,
0: oh, yeah, yeah. double header.
1: It was good, yeah. It was good. That's mm-hmm. what it was. As as good. As, see, drink diet coke more often. It's get a it right. hole in one. The um as 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 crappy as this week's been for, for my friends. And actually, we, we got some pretty shootings today, so it hasn't been aces. But um, there's there was a, a, an absolute bright spot earlier in the week. And, and it involves, um, it's another reminder of of what a great job we did, a great choice we made in in moving here.
0: That's good. And yeah. our listeners made a real good choice in picking us, right? Because this is 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 682. And I'm Vince B.
1: You are Vince B. It's so great to hear your voice. And I am David A. Price. And I can vouch for that because I am Abed Nadir.
0: <laughs> you're a futon nadir no you're not a bad nadir you're jason wood everybody together again look at this we just left you but we're back that's how we do and this episode as always is sponsored by discount comic book service dcbservice.com get your books get them fast and delivered right to your door for a portion a mere fraction of what everybody else is paying we're in limbo the specials are not up but, rest assured, you know the drill. They will be deeply discounted, and there will be a lot of them. And if my first two passes through the previews are any indication, it's going to be a huge month for me. Oh, nice. Massive month. Yeah. Of collected editions. or yeah. Or, um, see, I don't know if they're all collected editions. Translations. Because, of yeah, opinions, but yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You're I'm
0: telling you a blaze is coming out guns
2: blazing. Guns
0: blazing. Yeah, yeah. Guns um, blazing. There's one, I forget the name of it, but they likened it to a the, the artist is Filipino and they likened it to the art of the Filipino invasion of the 70s and I look at it I'm like no. you are so right. Yeah, and checked it off. Boom. I don't use post-it notes cuz that's a waste of paper. Big sure big sharpie. <laughs> but anyway, Anything in the previews catalog is available to you if you go to Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com. Circle them in your previews, or better yet, go on the site and browse their listings. They have listings for everything in the previews catalog. You click on it, there's a little shopping cart, you click on it and you get it. It's that easy. Buying a chimichanga at Taco Bell is much more difficult than ordering from Discount Comic Book Service.
2: (laughs) I think it worth four. Yeah, uh, Sure. Range, uh, Do they even have chimichangas. In but I don't
0: Taco know. I don't, don't tell me you don't like Taco Bell.
1: No, I have no problem with Taco Bell. If if if, if I'm drunk and, and starving and kidnapped, but I'm saying if if it's so hilarious. many
2: rules. Um, what is that?
1: He's got the window we're open again. Fireworks? No, it's uh, not open. Christ the window is not again? fucking open. Ha, well, then you it's got, got paper thin walls. Oh shit! They're right outside my window. Holy shit! They're they're in the apartment building above us. Mm. Um, the uh. Look great, out the window. but yeah, no. I think Cuomo made them uh, legal now. But in any event, I don't even know if if chimichangas are on the menu at Taco Bell. Is what I'm
0: saying no. Fireworks should be illegal. It's another way of weeding out the undesirables,
1: right? I dis. I I don't. I I can enjoy fireworks in the proper setting. I don't need rando neighbors letting them off for just just because it's a fucking Thursday at like you know seven thirty at night. I, I don't. I don't get it.
0: I've seen people hold M-80s in their hands till the last possible second. And I'm like, I don't live that close to the edge. Like, when you were kids, did y'all ever spend money on fireworks?
2: Well, they were illegal in New Jersey. Uh, They Mm -hmm. became legal like a year ago. Well, they
0: were illegal in Pennsylvania too, but...
2: Nah, well, they've been legal in Pennsylvania for a long time because we used to cross the border when we were in college. I'm talking about when I was a kid.
1: Well, I mean, bottle rockets, we'd, we'd throw them in the bud cans and, and light them that way. in I mean, the summers, but. It's in the
0: summer months, all my friends, leading up to summer, all my friends would save their money. I got $60. I'm going to spend it all on fireworks. I was like, what? Do you know how many comic books I could buy for $60? <laughs> you're, you're throwing money away. I still have my comics. They don't have their fireworks anymore. Who won? This guy. That's all I'm going to say. Discounted Yep. I got my Ross Andrews Spider-Mans and they have scars. I think mm-hmm. I made out the better of that deal.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So let's talk
0: about some comic books. Why, do we read those? Oh, yeah. I hope we did. It was going to be a real short episode. If not...
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's funny.
0: Oh, my goodness. Well... I made uh, a very concerted effort to read things that would relieve me of reality this week. I wanted escapist fantasy. I wanted lighthearted, semi-lighthearted. What passes for lighthearted for me, I guess? Mm -hmm. I I didn't want a whole lot of baggage because I just wanted to enjoy myself. And I think I made two wise choices.
1: Oh, nice. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: All right. Bring it.
0: Okay, I don't like to go first, but I guess I will.
2: That's <laughs> strange. I don't right.
0: like to go first. Um, uh. This is yet to be published. It's coming out this month from Magnetic. It was written and illustrated by Captain Artilio, and that's, uh, a, yes. that's a surname. Uh, his name is Julian Cittadino. It's a 208-page paperback. For twenty bucks, and it's called Gunland. Yes.
1: Have uh, you have seen it? I've I've se- I had it in um I had it in my basket when I was placing my order uh, a couple months ago. It did not make it because I found out it's it's um I didn't know how many volumes Magnetic was was um, importing it into, so I just figured I was going to wait until I knew and 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 work on getting them later. I didn't I didn't want to get in the first volume, find out it's a cliffhanger. I didn't know when the others were coming. so. Um, but I am dying to hear about it, because it looks absolutely fantastic. Yeah.
0: I don't know whether this was released in single issues or not, because the first time I, I, I saw it was in collected edition form. What was it, two months ago in the previews? And I saw the art, and I'm like, okay, this will be mine. But there's a digital version out there that's... Not the entire book. It's just a teaser, and um, so that's what I want to talk about. I, w- I won't go into the okay. entire book because that's not really mm-hmm. fair. The damn thing's not even out yet, right? Uh, it's. I-, I want to call it a western. I also wanted to call it a sci-fi mm-hmm. uh, adventure story. Uh, it's part fantasy, part cyberpunk. It's it's a really crazy book um the Doolin clan is central to the plot they're a family of outlaws they're brothers they're led by this uh dude named Dan Poison Doolin and he's got two brothers like I said Duke and Dave and when the book opens they're on the run after their heist went south they they buried their loot and they they got out of dodge because the law was on their tail um and they're trying to get back to the spot that they buried their loot but they think the area is monitored by the the pigs so they they're talking it over there's lots of infighting between the brothers um mostly driven by Dan uh Poison Dan's pretty cantankerous uh he's a shifty dude doesn't trust anyone including his brothers and he's kind of quick to to pull the, his gun on someone. So Dan and Duke retreat to a dive bar called El Cielo, which is is run by this blue-skinned, horned alien by the name of Yuko, right? But Dan's not too hot on entering the bar. He's like, I don't know this guy. He may be in cahoots with the law. He may rat us out. And Duke is like, no, no, no. Yuko's cool, man. Besides, they got the best burritos anywhere. Let's just go in. So they go into the bar, and Dan is sizing up um, Yuko, and Dave arrives. Dave's the third brother. He's got a young girl with him, and Dave reveals that she's his daughter and has been for about two weeks. kid's about uh, 10, 11 years old, and his brother's jaws hit the floor. They're like, what in the hell are you talking about? How do kids grow this fast? And Dave's like, you know, there is a, a thing called adoption. Uh, But he's lying to them because the patriarch of the Doolin family, an old bastard that goes by the name of Death Doolin, you got to be mean if your name is Death Doolin, right? He gave all of his sons, each a Moloch skull. These little artifacts of great power, right? But Dan and Duke don't know how to use them. And they don't really want to. But Dave figured it out. And when he was messing with the skull, he opened up a portal to somewhere else. I don't know if it's another another dimension, another land. It's just an area beyond where he was. And he goes in and he sees the place and it's devastated. There's people lying dead all over the place, buildings destroyed. It's not looking good. And this little girl starts walking towards him and he, t- he takes her home and he starts to care for her. Um. But back at the bar, things kind of turn sour quickly. Dan, enterprising man that he is, suggests that they exploit the fact that the girl is a child and send her to the spot where they buried their loot to see if the, the coast is clear. Uh, after all, the cops don't know that she's connected to the clan. but new Daddy Dave is not having any of it. He's like, nope. Uh, so Dan, asshole that he is, pulls his gun on his own brother to punctuate his plea, I guess. And luckily, while Dave couldn't teach the girl how to speak, she's mute, she's never said a word from moment one, and he doesn't know if she can say a word. He did teach her how to shoot. So the young girl pulls a pair of revolvers and points one at Dan and one at Duke, and everything goes to hell. Turns out that Yuko did call the authorities, (laughs) ha-ha, and they arrive in the form of this, uh, it's a cross between Trap Jaw and Judge Dread. This cybernetically enhanced police officer with a metal jaw. He's got a, a pterodactyl on his shoulder. Cyber, he's got metal all over him. Big, big, big blue dude, and he doesn't arrive in a police car. His his mount is an ankylosaurus, and it has a police siren on its head like a fez how could you not love this book right uh and i didn't mention the fact that everybody in this reality rides dinosaurs there's no horses that i can see there there are dinosaurs everywhere bullets are flying yuko dies duke dies dave shoots the cop the cop shoots dan and in the whirlwind the young girl takes one right in the shoulder so that prompts dave to exit stage left um and his mount is a parasyrophilus and he hits the desert rides across the desert he dodges dinosaurs all over the place there's massive dinosaurs in the desert and he gets to this giant stacked city but the law is still on his tail and that's where i'm just gonna leave it i'm intrigued I want to I, I I want wanted to finish the book but I'm like okay pause it's almost too good um very clean line style on the art but it's not there's there's not a ton of finesse which I love it's not um pretentious at all uh, the um the dinosaurs are beautifully everything's beautifully rendered but there's I I'm not going to say Brandon Graham but I did right it's in that realm but it's not as um sexually charged as brandon stuff and uh citadino does something really strange with noses that i love um they almost look like muppet noses on on the characters in in fact a lot of characters could fit within the muppet aesthetic uh without the shagginess and i just thought it was wonderful like it it leapt to the top of of my attention and i just like i was drawn in by the dinosaurs but now i want to know what's going on with the little girl why can't she speak where is she from where did the skulls come from why is this world populated by dinosaurs like it's it, it's amazing it it's and it's a western too which is another Layer of icing on the cake for me, so yeah. If if you are as intrigued as I sound to be, uh, get your ass to either Amazon or or InStock Trades or wherever, and get this. It's Gunland, two hundred and eight page trade paperback, twenty bucks. Cheaper when you go to the people you know, um, and it's supposed to be out. If it's not out now, it's going to be out really soon, and it's mm-hmm. published by Magnetic, who does good stuff.
1: Mm hmm
2: yeah more than They're, good they do great stuff they do well
0: they do. you know uh i i can't i can't say they do fantastic amazing stuff because i want to i want to be measured in my oh my, yeah because that's
1: you
2: you're you're known for being
1: measured i try you? to so, be i tried not hyperlick one
0: no this
2: is freaking dinosaurs dude come on dude
1: Here's the thing,
2: sometimes, Vince, even when we don't plan an episode, it just all flows together like the natural juices of the universe. You know why? (laughs) Why? Because I got a magnetic book to talk about, too, son. What do you got? I got a book. In fact, it's a book that you made sure I have ordered the month that it was solicited. Oh, nice. I was going to order it anyway, but you were like... You Wait, hit us up and you were like, holy shit, if you don't order this, you're crazy.
1: And I, I was, was like, in, I already... Mm-hmm. I, th- I think it was in all our previous videos, and I, I it better be in my next box. Oh, yeah, it better be then. Yeah.
2: Yes, because uh, I assume then Dap's figured out that I am talking about GenPet.
0: Don't Gen spoil it. I didn't get
2: mine yet. <laughs> no, Neither did I. I'm not going to spoil it. I'm not going <laughs> to spoil it. Um, Shout out to Weekly Shipping. Um... Uh, <laughs> This is Magnetic. Uh, it is um, uh, originally from Fran- France. Uh, from um, It was called uh, Gen Pet Volume 1, Nat and Nico. And uh, it was written by Damien. I think it's Damien because like, there's a little squiggle over the A, the second A. Uh, illustrated by Alex Fuentes. And Vince, when you told us to make sure we ordered this, you were just gushing, understandably, about the art. Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, And it is, first of all, Magnetic always does a great job with their packaging, but this book is extra special. Rounded Corners, huge fan of that. Our business cards at my office are Rounded Corners. Love the aesthetic there. Um, Spot varnish on the front. I love that. Raised lettering, spot varnish. Uh, Really tightly bound. And the book is glossy. It is glossy. The inside it's like every page just like shines at you and I was trying to think about how to describe the art to folks that maybe aren't aware uh, of this book yet and it reminds me of if the cartooning team who did Gumball was tasked with telling a science fiction story. Uh, My dogs agree. Um, And since you all haven't read it yet I won't get into the to the meat of it. But but the premise, and this is straight from the solicit, so no spoilers here. Uh, the year is 2036. Uh, the ultimate toy for rich kids is the Gen Pet, a genetically modified animal custom-made to suit one's personal design. And uh, for young Nat, he just got one of his own named Nico. It's his future best buddy, but his dad had one additional design element in mind. The Gen Pet had to be able to protect Nat from imminent danger. Um, and uh, yeah, so... The book starts off in China, where the gen pet facilities are, and then they go back to New York, where the dad is uh, taking over as the uh, head of the New York Knicks, oddly enough. Um, But he's got a a shady past, and we quickly understand why it was important for dad that the gen pet have uh, some defensive capabilities. And then Hijinks and Sue, it's a high adventure book, uh, you know, perfect kind of book for... Uh, like Spielberg back in the eighties to tell you got a, you got a, a pair of young heroes uh, and their sidekick in this case, the gen pet uh, trying to uh, ward off ne'er do wells. And I thought it was beautiful. Uh, such unique artwork. I thought that the, the glossy finish and the bright, I mean, it's really bright color palette, just distinctive, solid color. Um, every, every panel is just laden with detail Uh, I just adored it, I know you guys are going to love it so we can revisit it plot wise when you all uh, get your copy but but huge thumbs up and for those of you that didn't heed our three videos imploring you to add this to your list uh, for whatever reason, if you didn't because of budget or you just forgot anyway rectify that, because you're going to want to, because it's freaking amazing Magnetic is amazing um, but but this is uh, this may be one of the better magnetic books in a long time uh, talking about budget, I mean the thing is uh
0: retail's for sixteen ninety nine and I do believe Correct. we got it for half price. Yeah. Yeah. Well probably forty percent. Or or close to it, yeah. yeah. And for a hundred and
2: like ten, twelve pages, that's a really good deal. Yeah, it's no it's great. It's to read it in one sitting. Um very, very surface level plot. It it's it's exactly what it sets out to be. Uh, but it's very well executed, and it's a visual extravaganza, and there's a lot of heart to it. Yeah, you're definitely rooting for, for that and Nico.
0: Well, the real hook for me, aside from the great drawing, the um, wonderful color palette, was the design of the Gen Pet itself. Yes, I think it looks phenomenal. It looks like a cross between a gin and something from a, a you know 1930s cartoon. I had to have it, and I follow both uh, the artist and the writer on the socials. And I mean, oh, nice! Yeah, these guys are great. Uh, I, I'd love to see them sending out production drawings and, and sneak peeks. And the, my enthusiasm has been ramping for this book, and now it's in my next box. So, cannot
2: wait! Absolutely, you guys are both going to love it.
0: Love it, great! We got to do it some justice,
1: for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I guess we might as well now put, uh, Magnetic Palooza on the, oh! uh, show notes.
2: Unbelievable! Inconceivable! <laughs> so, completely
1: unplanned, 100%. We did um, not
2: talk
1: about this. We I, no, we don't did not. We were talking about this. Because I put my list up, like, four minutes before, a minute before the show started, so, um, there was nothing, um to discuss amongst ourselves. But this is something that uh I kept seeing in previews the, the, the issues solicited and um and I had missed the first issue. So I was just like, well then I, maybe I'll just eventually find it at a um, at a convention. But uh I came across an online retailer who had it for half off so I figured well no time it stars definitely aligned now. Um this is from an author, a writer who we're familiar with. And an artist who is on a project that I backed today on Kickstarter, uh, which we can discuss later. But uh, this is Ghost Money, Death in Dubai, by uh, Terry Smulderen and Dominique Bertel. And um, the art is what always grabbed me on the preview pages uh, in the catalog. And and the story is, is set in the nearest... The near future i mean it's it, it takes place in 2025 but um there are some aspects of the story that there's there some things there's some technological advancements that uh we are a little bit more than four years away from um so the i was i like vince i was hoping for something a little light um in recent weeks and i i um I didn't realize when I, well, I didn't realize when I got, when I sat down to start reading this, I, uh, even though I glanced at the solicits initially, I didn't really know, um, the genesis of the story. And, and, and right from the beginning, you pretty much know that it's, um, it, it, it's fallout from nine 11. And so it's not exactly lighthearted material and the, um, but it's, 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 it is super engaging. There's the, the, the characters, um, there's espionage. There's, there's, uh, there's some spying. There's some, uh, there's, there's, there's backhandedness and, and, uh, nobody is really, it, 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 reads almost like a mission impossible story. The, um, the, the, the main character we're introduced to is, is a young woman named lindsay she lives uh she lives in England with her father um and there is a uh there's a protest that uh gets a little gets a little hairy and um lindsay gets caught up in the mob and and she's uh she's rescued by a woman um in a nearby building uh, like a brownstone and 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 pulls her in through the window her name is um is Chamsa and Chamsa and Lindsay become good friends and and Chamsa is extremely um, wealthy, Lindsay not so much. But there's no nobody is thumbing anybody's noses at one another. Um, dad has a little bit of an Lindsay's dad has a little bit of an issue with with um, her friend's wealth, but um, again, he doesn't. Aside from the odd phrase here and there, that you know. Reminds us that he's uncomfortable. There's nothing, nothing, it, it, it's mostly innocent, but uh, there's, there's a not, a, not a conspiracy really, but there's, 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 there are people who are trying to find out where Choms' wealth comes from or came from uh because her father is president of their country but he like, she's living well beyond what he'd be able to afford and he doesn't know that because he doesn't he doesn't visit her in london so he just thinks she 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 lives modestly um and all of this is going on we are also there are four like black ops guys who who were um they they end up early on in the story they capture the uh they capture basically they capture al-qaeda's banker and uh and so they were they're basically passing him around through every um every sort of um intelligence agency around the world uh treating him like cargo and and um to get as much information out of him as they could. Um, And he never, he never broke. Uh, He he died while in custody and we don't know what his last words were, but he, some of the people believe that uh, when he was speaking to the, uh, the psychologist, um, it was basically things he knew that, uh, that would have, let them know whether or not this was off or not. But, um, turns out that we're, we're told that, um, Choms's mother was having an affair with that Al Qaeda banker. And with the, with the stocks and, and the markets, the way they, the, the way everybody acted, um, with the airline stocks everything like that they they basically like her mom she inherits her her mother basically set up a trust for her uh and when she turns 28 the truth will come out um and she'll know everything and her father is aware of this as well but and and her father thought that uh shamsa was his daughter and and uh he his, uh, his 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 girl Friday ends up uh, getting some hair from Chamsa, and, and and of course they do the whole DNA test, and turns out that uh, maybe it's not his daughter. But the art, Dominique's art is is fantastic, and I, I I touched on this briefly with Vince earlier. I think I the the dimensions are very similar to uh, as far as a traditional comic book page, but I believe I believe the the, the physical um, dimensions of the original story may have been a little larger because as 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 I, I love Dominique's art and and my man can draw the female form and and uh, the architecture and and the vehicles I mean always no joke but there are a lot of panels on some of these pages and the panels are because they are packed with detail. Um, and in some cases they're a little small. The the book took me a little longer than it probably should have because I was doing a lot of squinting. I was just really trying to see everything I could because there are there are some figure works where you're not sure if if someone is carrying something or if if, if they're just maybe scratching their show there's just there's little things that because it, the work is so detailed uh and and I'm trying to see everything. I want to make sure that I'm seeing everything uh as I should, but it it's um it is it's it's not a small its it's it's not a thin part cover uh it's it's close to three hundred pages um it was it looks like it was a seven issue series and the um it reads really well as as a collection uh it's it's again it it it's not it's it's more it's more of a traditional american sized hardcover for Magnetic than, than, than things in the past, like, like Sea of Love, or um, Sound of the World by Heart, things like that. We're, we're used to or even Topia, which are huge books compared to this, as tall as they are. But, uh, no, th- this was, it's, like I said, it's engaging. I was, um, I started, and, and and I couldn't stop. and And even though it's the story starts off with with some unappealing real world uh events they 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 go from there and um kind of get away from it it it's it's not' we're, we're you're not hit over the head with with the tragedy of that day and and um and as far as the other characters the the, the black ops team there's there's one as the years went on um one of them one of them kind of just goes becomes a hermit and, and lives in in a cabin in the woods um, trying to find God another one ends up in a psychiatric ward because turns out that he's just a, a, a pedophile um, so they're all damaged they're all warped they're all like nobody is, is I mean the dude wears a guy named confederate flag bandana so I mean as if you didn't as if you needed a visual clue as to the dude being a piece of shit but the um, there's, there's just a uh, all the characters, Uh, even, even the characters that show up later on in the book that, um, nobody's a throwaway character. Everybody, everybody serves a purpose. Everybody, um, you're introduced to someone and, uh, you may not see them for a handful of pages and then, uh, and and then they'll, they'll come into play for whatever reason. Um, the, the technology with, um, Choms, it, it gets in a car accident and that's from the black ops team. They had set that up because then they, when she gets to the hospital, um, they do an old switcheroo. They bring her to another hospital, and and she gets um, implants in her eyes. And and so now, the black ops team can see everything she does because they're trying to get the money. They're trying to get the money that she has. So they're 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 checking to see when she's going to go to the bank, when she's going to make these deposits or or, or withdrawals. And so they're trying. They're they're basically watching her life through her eyes, and and, and so they can get as much information as they can, and how um. If 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 Chamsa finds out that people are doing these things to her, it's 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 all it's all part of the story. But yeah, it was nothing. Nothing seems to be. It, it, everything happens for a reason in this book. Nothing, like I said, nothing is a. There's no throwaway lines. There's no throwaway actions. There's um, little things that, uh, and even if someone is is like, scratching their chin, for for something on as just some random act that, that you know anybody would do that may actually um that's a tell and and that may come to come to play later on so it, it rewards you for, for even paying attention from from one page to the next but uh i was yeah like i said it it's it's a gorgeous book um i uh it's one of those things where uh, good things come to those who wait and and i just i had to wait and and Finally got it and got it in one fell swoop. So um I am I'm quite pleased with it. I uh definitely would recommend it and it, it's since I mentioned uh the, the Kickstarter, um again it now I wasn't going to back um the Paris twenty one twelve kickstarter um because it's one of those it's a situation where we we, it's just it's how we've been wired lately where you know why why back something that you know you're going to see in previews in in a few months and chances are for for cheaper than what it's what's being backed but the publisher of of um magnetic basically states this in, in in this video on the um on it is it's because it it's it's to kind of just make sure that magnetic can make it past um the whole change in 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 the marketplace we're all going through right now so uh and and there's a um there's gonna be a peach variant cover on on the uh on the hardcover there's gonna be a book plate and whatnot so i mean i i figured for a couple extra bucks that i might i might be spending more on the Kickstarter than I would if it was in previews. Um, I don't mind it to make sure that a it gets made and that uh, it it keeps Magnetic doing what they're going to be doing. But um, it's also illustrated by Dominique and, and after this after Ghost Money, um, I'm a fan so I'm going to follow the dude where he's going. So um, I back that this afternoon. But yeah, this was Ghost Money was. Uh, was when it was solid, uh, and and just another home run from uh, from magnetic, as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah, I saw you back that Kickstarter, and uh, I I think that's a very valid approach, in in the current climate. That because um, the world has moved on, uh, yeah. in, in a different dire- in a direction no one could foresee, and I think the fact that uh, they're being honest about it, and it's like yeah. We we need a little help making sure that this book does get published because I'm like a lot of people. Normally, when I see a book from a a a major publisher, which I consider magnetic to be, I won't back it Kickstarter for the very fact that you said. But we are not in that world anymore. Yeah. So I think it's perfectly acceptable to uh, to plea for uh, help to get a book, uh, to make a book see the light of day.
1: Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I said twenty-one twelve. It's Paris twenty-one nineteen, uh, by Zep, who um who's written uh some of the um, who's written Infinity Eight, uh and and has had other um, work published uh the story of Men, um, but yeah. But like I said, I mean it it it's Dominique that um, that's got me for it. and and I mean and, and and the pitch it it's like freaking, um. If uh, Black Mirror meets Blade Runner, I mean, like that's I'm, I don't. It really wouldn't have mattered who drew it at that point, but uh, but yeah, Vince. I mean, it, it's yeah. We we've whether it's you know we see a Kickstarter from First Comics. Like if we saw that three years ago, it would be like, yeah, I'll just wait for previews. But I, I, it's it's not three years ago anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, glad I'm glad you enjoyed that. I um. too neat uh so now we do have a magnetic orama in the show notes i think the first instance of the magnetic orama maybe
1: i said palooza right i'm sorry
0: you did but that's okay i I don't correct people nice jason what else have you been loving
2: you know i um i think like y'all were i was in the mood for for just fun comics this week um Lots of meaty, weighty comics sitting on my pile to be read, but uh, just didn't feel like the week for it. And I got such a kick out of this book, and I don't know if either of you ordered it, or hell, you may have the issues, because you're both old and busted. Um, this <laughs> is volume one of two volumes by the Distinguished Competition, DC. Uh, it is volume one, The Super Friends Saturday Morning Comics. Uh, it is uh, basically a collection of the uh, Super Friends uh, comic from the 70s, which was directly an adaptation of the smash hit cartoon of our childhoods. Uh, collects issues one through su- the Super Friends issues one through 26. The Aqua Tears meet the Super Friends and Super Friends stories from the limited collector's editions uh, 41 and 46 um, it is written in its entirety by E. Nelson Bridwell and uh, drawn not quite in its entirety, although the vast majority is drawn by uh, Miss Ramona Ferdan, who also does the intro to this. And uh, I this came out in 1976. I was two, um, so I, I wasn't reading this, this is off the shelf. Um, I didn't I honestly never thought. I had no idea they made a comic. It's very meta, right? Like they made a cartoon, a Saturday morning cartoon about the comic book characters. And then they made a comic about the cartoon. It's very meta. Um didn't know it ever happened, but I saw this in the solicits and I thought, Oh, that's fun. You know, that's something that'd be a pretty neat collected edition. Cause I don't think I'd ever have the patience or wherewithal to go and dig up the back issues, even if they were available. Um, and I'm so glad I did. It's um, it's just, it's just a giant nostalgia bomb. Um it's single stories, each issues its own story, and it um it's the characters from the Super Friends cartoon. You've got Aquaman and Batman and Robin, Supes, uh Wonder Woman, you've got um you've got Marvin, you've got Wendy, you've got Wonder Dog, you've got uh the Wonder Twins and uh and then that's pretty much it and then there are guest appearances i mean other other heroes make appearances you know the flash is in it the green lanterns in it and stuff but those are the those are the characters that are in it every every week um or every uh, i should say every issue and uh yeah it's just it's just a a, a big silly ball of 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 cartoon adaptation it's uh uh, silly over the top villains some that we know some that were i think at least at the time made for the cartoon maybe subsequently were brought into the comics universe but um yeah it, it just was great it was a, a quick read i didn't read the whole thing because it's like 30 comics but i just i read probably 10 11 of them uh and i didn't read them in order because they're not there's no need to read them in order i just flipped through and whatever uh cover grabbed my attention i just I just dove in um dialogue is silly it's it's just like the cartoon it's um expository and um and and for me really the the aside from the nostalgia the the thing that i think is the triumph here is 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 this is the only collection i have of substance from for don's career um and uh and and she does the intro and talks about how she adopted a style for this book to evoke the cartoon And it was a much simpler line than she was used to doing. Um, And then a really fascinating anecdote. So she left comics uh, in 1980. So not too long after this wrapped up, actually. Uh, And then did the Brenda Starr uh, comic strip for 15 years. And then that wrapped up in 1995. And then in 1996, she went to her first ever comic book convention. How about that? So she was probably what, well into her 50s by then, if not older. Yeah. Uh, and had never gone to a Comic Con before. And then she talks about how she went to this Comic Con not sure what to expect. And she was just blown away by the reception she got and how many people remembered and loved her work because she wasn't sure anyone would even knew who she was. And uh, yeah, and she speaks fondly of this. She said that, um, that almost all of the editors she ever worked with in her career were way more interested in plot and story and writing than they were the art. And she said, um, and, and the same was true of, of this, that, uh, Nelson Bridwell was very much, um, all about the, the story and, and really never gave her feedback or, or good or bad, like about, about her work. Um, but she assumed it because of the time that, uh, since she wasn't getting any complaints, she must be doing a good job. And, uh, yeah, so it's it's a terrific little collection of of a little niche piece of DC lore that I'm sure even for hardcore DC nerds would probably escaped them, or at least it wasn't a high priority. So, um, you know, it's its own thing. It's out of continuity, needless to say, and uh, there will be a second volume, at least supposedly. Um, now it's a bit pricey. Um, it's it's the size of like a it's basically the size of a of a hard hardcover novel. Um, let me see if there's. I don't think there, I couldn't find a page count. Let me see. Oh wait, so a little more than 500 pages. So a little more than 500 pages, and uh, it um, it its cover price is 69.99. So like that's kind of kind of standard for one of the smaller size Omnibu. right? Um. So, but I think I paid 50 percent off, so 35 bucks. So it's pretty dope stuff. Did you guys read this ever? Have you seen it? Do you own any of it? I have the singles,
0: yeah.
2: Saggard. But um
0: True Confessions, I was never a fan of the cartoon.
2: Probably a little you were just a little off with the age, right?
0: Uh it came out in what, seventy six? Yeah, yeah. Uh seventy I think
2: seventy
0: yeah, seventy six, yeah. So I was um eleven, twelve, yeah. So that would have been well that yeah, would have been I'm fun. I'm just not a fan of the Wonder Twins because
2: and and what about wendy and marvin
0: i i I saw them as like uh sacrilege because they weren't in the comics like who are these kids Mm. why obviously they were created for the cartoon but it just didn't the whole
2: thing just rubbed me the wrong way i didn't even i I don't i'll be honest i didn't even watch it very often oh it is a little overwhelming at parts when wendy marvin wonder dog zan zana and and gleek are all in it together like i'm like that's a lot of non-continuity heroes <laughs> like yeah. you know but uh no i loved it i thought it was i really liked the nostalgia and I, it was nice to see for don's work collected in oh, you can't a, go wrong with ramona yeah. ever mm-hmm. you need to get the aquaman stuff yeah no yeah. i know yeah i know i'm sure there's um what's the, D, the dc version of not the masterworks but the um showcase, showcase yeah i'm sure I'm sure there showcases at first oh yeah 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 the, plus um, there's
0: uh i believe in the last month's previews there was a ramona Aquaman book
1: uh hardcover
2: oh is that right
1: yeah okay the um there were the, the super friends was one of the books i would randomly find in those bags of uh of comics from, from the flea market that my aunt would give me. So I, I, I wasn't, I don't had, I had them, I, I had a couple of issues here and there from, from later in the series. Um, and I guess based on the page count and, and, and the, the stories, the, the the issues that are in this collection, I'm guessing the Global Guardian backups aren't in the collection and and i as fun yeah, as the impressive. super friends um front stories were the back of stories of the global guardians that's that was fun for me because that's where we first meet green fury and, and ice maiden who eventually become fire and ice under different oh, cases um justice league but uh cuz and and yeah i mean global guardians were basically it, it it was like it it was just as though it was like when you were reading contest of champions and here comes um sabra and 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 all these other characters from other countries that we never heard of before but but marvel's going to let you know that you know yeah there there are other countries um so global guardians was neat and again it was one of those but back then dc always had backup stories whether it was airwave and green lantern or back of stories in in uh in anything. But uh but yeah, I, I I read some, but uh but yeah, as far as having a run or reading consecutive issues, not not so much. I
0: think it's also the fact that I was a Marvel kid.
2: Sure. Yeah, well I mean this wouldn't have been this would have been far away from my wheelhouse, but
0: that's a lot of pages, though.
1: Yeah. It is.
0: Good stuff. Yep. I think Ramona's has gained much, much appreciation for her art over the years. It seems like...
2: You're subsequent to...
0: Yeah, it seems... Yeah. By the fan uh, community. It, it just seems mm-hmm. like she's one of those names where um, you drop it and everybody just oozes and ahs. And I, I'm not entirely sure... Probably because I didn't pay attention back in the day whether that was the case.
2: So, yeah, I agree. It seems like she's gotten more recognition uh, after her career was was over.
0: Yeah, just ba- I mean, there there are names that I know for a fact back in the day did not garner much acclaim. Mm-hmm. If you, if you said Frank Robbins when I yeah. was in my early to mid teens. You know, people would be like, oh my God, he's horrible. But now I look at the guy with reverence. I think he's incredible. And a lot, mm-hmm. I, there's a lot of people that do that. Um, not so much for George Tosca, but he was another one of those names where it was like, yeah. whoa, back up.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, and I dug the quirky heroes in this, you know? I mean, there were de- like, the, like, there was Tuatara and like Jack O'Lantern, not, you know, not to be confused with the, the Marvel version. And, um, like the Tasmanian Devil and yeah, yeah, it was cool. Yeah, like I, you know, I like this the C list D list characters.
0: Well, you do love your hot moves, so that's perfect. Exactly. Yeah,
1: love the serpent society, so that's
2: Did funny. a little Keith Pollard shout out on the on the site last week? Of course, he did. Love Keith. Yeah, he's good stuff. Yeah. Speaking of a hot move.
0: Yes, indeed. There's a, uh, a pastiche on the Ohatmu in uh, that book that just came out from Image. Uh, what's it? All American Comics. Yeah. All, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a faux Ohatmu page. Uh, no, there's a faux Who's Who in the DC Universe page, which triggered my memory when you said oh Ohot- When I said Ohatmu. Yeah. Triggered. Yep. Everything old is new again. Mm
1: hmm. Tis true.
0: Yep. Uh I want to know what you guys think of the uh the news today. What's your opinion? Oh boy. Oh, yeah. What news are we talking about? That uh Marvel's got the Alien and Predator franchise. Oh.
2: <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Well I mean two things. One, my first my first thought was, well, we know what Jason Aaron's gonna do next. <laughs> uh it seems to be it's required, right? He he yeah. he he let off there. Star Wars. He led off Conan. I assume he'll do these. Um, I also thought, how long do we have to wait uh, before we see Predator versus Wolverine and uh, yeah, X Men versus, versus Aliens? It. Right. I mean, like, like that's that's all going to happen, right? I mean, like in short order. I assume.
1: I would expect it to. Right? Like Marvel, yeah. Yep. Yeah, uh, and oh, then Predator
2: third will and the Avengers. And this, that's true. Third, this may sound harsh, but uh, I I, beyond those little those little minor curiosities that uh, that flowed into my brain for a few split seconds, I I didn't care. Otherwise, I. But you know, listen. Full disclosure: I this is not a surprise to anyone that's listened to the show for a long time. I I am not a um, prolific reader of uh, Predator or Alien comics uh, from Dark Horse. So, I think they've done very
0: good things with both properties at Dark Horse, so much mm-hmm. so that it, it clouds my judgment. Like, okay. when, when I read the news, I was like, well, I guess I won't be reading any more Alien and Predator comics, because the Dark Horse brand on those books, that was my thing for a lot of years. I love those titles. I think they did great things with them. I don't want to see Marvel touch them. Now, see, I'm a bit of a hypocrite, because when they crossed over with the DC characters, I was all into it. <laughs> because it seemed natural and it seemed exciting, and Bernie Wrightson was behind a couple of them, so that more mm-hmm. than greased the wheels for my uh, my interest. But I've watched what they've done with Conan. I thought it was kind of neat that he appeared in the Savage Avengers initially, but I think um, I think the the sheen has has worn off that bowling ball for me, where. Um, Initially it started great. The the writing and the art was superb. But I think as with all things at Marvel now that's starting to dilute because Conan's in what? 3 books or there's, you know, uh, at, at least three things in the works at all times with, with any of their their properties. So I think it's too much with Conan now. Um, and I, I just assume that it's going to be the same thing at, at, with Alien and Predator. There's going to be one Alien, one Predator book, one Alien versus Predator book, and then it's going to split into even more, and you're going to see these characters running around all over the place in the Marvel Universe. You can't have aliens in the Marvel Universe. It it does not compute. Well, they already have
2: them called the Brood, but... Well,
0: besides that... <laughs> it, I don't...
2: I... <sighs> well, you can. I mean... They, they... Like you, 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 can. I mean, there's a trillion Marvel alien species. There's no reason they can't have the aliens in there, but it's just a question of will it be it's compelling done well. stories, right? Yeah, yeah. I, and and listen, I mean, I mean, you know, I, I I'm reminded of, of the Star Wars. I mean, I, now of course Marvel had the Star Wars initially, and then Dark Horse had it forever, and then they got it back. and And admittedly, I haven't read a ton of it in recent years, but but every every bit of it that I did read was high quality. Oh uh, yeah, Marvel well, so, most of it, yeah.
0: There were some.
2: Well, where I'm just saying, generally yeah. speaking, they did an excellent job, at least at the beginning, with the, with the getting the license back. Um, and I thought that Jason and Mahmoud's first 12 issues of the Conan main series were terrific. Well, that's I'm saying. Yeah, Mahmoud yeah. did a, a career-high job on Conan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I guess what I'm saying is, is I'd be down for what they may have first. But, you know, I mean, I personally feel like I've read maybe, I don't know, 2% of all Alien comics ever written, and yet... I feel as though everyone I've read's always been exactly the same. Like they've always been either a remake of one of the films or an adaptation of one of the scripts or a very loose homage to those same ideas, which is that they're either on a planet or a ship and there's alien or aliens that are uh, trying to get them. I mean, it's like, like, it just doesn't seem like there's a lot there, there with the plot, like in terms of, 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 of ability to uh, stretch one's creative chops. Well, before Prometheus,
0: the main antagonist to the aliens was humans. That's yeah. not much of a fight. It can, it, it can, consi- yeah. it usually consists of trying to run yeah. away uh, and survive. Yeah. But when, when you have characters like Superman and Batman encountering aliens, that puts a, a different spin on it. But I, I guess I'm just jaded. I don't want to see that in the Marvel Universe, I, especially if they become omnipresent, where to the point where if you have a threat as, as dire as the the Xenomorphs, that's going to consume everything in the Marvel Universe. It shouldn't be just oh, we're fighting the Brood, the the you know the this new acquisition that's very much like the brood. We're fighting them for a couple issues. You can't fight the aliens for a couple issues because they're, they're vermin. They multiply, they infect, they make more of themselves. That's the whole thing behind the aliens where they have to be public enemy number one in the Marvel universe or it doesn't work. They have to be a threat there too. If there's no threat, it's like, just like what you said. It's just, well, it's just like every other alien thing I've read. Let's try and survive. Their blood is burning through the, the hull of the ship. Uh-oh. You know, it's like, what do you do with something that powerful? Is is Wolverine going to... Well, we have already seen that in the Brood storyline. So, yeah, Wolverine's probably going to get impregnated
1: by a chestburster. A chest oh, a bunch of variant covers of, of, you know, Alien and Predator versions of, of the Marvel yeah. characters. I, I mean, it, it's... At first, okay, I don't, I, I don't follow the whole market share thing. So I, I do know that if if you go into a comic shop, you're going to see shops with more Marvel and DC than some of the other publishers. But um, uh, one of my first thoughts was that now maybe more people will be aware of, uh, or will have eyes on Alien and, and and Predator books for shops that tend to lean. Heavy on Marvel. Um, I'm not, it, and yeah, whether or not they they tend to oversaturate the market with any good idea, um, Marvel zombies or anything like that. It, it there's you know, history indicates that that's the case, but that doesn't mean some stories or one particular story may not well. Could float someone's boat and and it, if it's not a story that I dig but someone else does then hey then th- then maybe that's that's all it takes for them to hopefully you know it's just like the mythical readers that are going to go to a comic shop after seeing an x men movie but it it's i if if it's i'm trying to focus and and just think of the positives if it's it if if it's a way for for people like um Jason Aaron and Al Ewing uh, to write Aliens and and Predator finally, then okay, great. We'll see what they can do Um, as far as what they'll do when they go up against Captain America or the Fantastic Four. I'm not I'm I'm not going I'm I'm, just like I'm, I'm told I shouldn't stress things that haven't happened yet when it comes to shit that affects me personally that i'm it's the same thing i'm not, I'm not going to wonder about what will happen if it's it becomes predator versus conan if, if it happens we'll chuckle great okay if it's a cool story if it's drawn by someone we adore maybe we'll check it out but I, that that's not uh, the thought of that being a thing isn't is moving the needle for me
0: i just want to give mike richardson a hug
1: I because don't, because he's I'm having sure a, he's well, having a yeah. shit
2: <laughs> a shit year. I think this is karma. So. <laughs> Why
1: especially for him? After, especially after the tweet I read yesterday for about his brother.
0: Well, I wasn't going to finish it for him of uh, like shielding Scott Alley
1: in in partly yeah. that, yeah. but also his his brother seems to be uh, a a um a a verbal abuser a racist um works for the company as well, so it's not like shit isn't known so it's uh, i just think that this is i'm sure the people at at fox are like yeah we i mean they they may not care about whatever back office politics are happening that they're just this is their license this is their property but i I, i'm with jason in this case this is i'm i'm i don't i'm I'm not shedding any tears for mike richardson well i'd be lying
0: if i said that through Mike Richardson he didn't provide me with decades of
2: of wonderful you entertainment.
1: Could say the same thing about Stan. I am Right, but I'm not going right, to I'm not going to just gets
2: back I'm, to the yeah, I that but that I guess for me it's different. This is kind of an a tangent to something we keep talking about lately, which is the art art and the artist. I mean, I I uh I think I said it last time we talked about this like Michael Jackson still put out fucking amazing music for a long time, but that doesn't mean that I don't seriously think there was a good chance he was a pedophile. I mean, I, like, they're not, they're not mutually exclusive. Right. right. Uh, so I, I think my, I, I, I haven't heard anything. It would suggest Mike himself is a creep. So right. I'm not like actively wishing ill will on him, but like business is business, man. Like dude had decades with all a lot of these properties. I'm presuming he hopefully will bank some of that. But yeah. uh, I, I guess the more interesting thing for me on this is why does Marvel want them? Like in a, at a time when we're all wondering if Marvel and DC's higher ups, that their big corporate parents, are even questioning the viability of comics uh, as a as an art form, uh, what what is Marvel got planned for? Well, like, what, what,
1: why are they acquiring this, them? Th- does I, th- doesn't Fox own both properties, and isn't th- isn't there a connection with Fox and Disney? I
2: well, I guess yeah. I mean, I, is that what you think? Why they're just trying to consolidate all the properties? I guess that makes I sense. Think,
1: yeah. I do. I, that. That's, I mean, I, I don't, I, if they were going to, I mean, just like Star Wars, when, when they pulled out of, of, of Dark Horse and, and landed back at Marvel, it's because I was just keeping it under, even though they end up licensing some of the, they end up licensing their Marvel characters in Star Wars to Tiny W for some stories. But I, I think it's just it's the same reason why you'd see um yeah, I, you are I, right. Yeah. Alien and Predator are both on. Well, were owned by
2: 20th century, which is Fox yeah. prior to. So they're owned by Disney now. The weird thing is, though, is like Disney is so against making movies like this, though.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I right? like I they're, now, they're
2: I, even showing I, Deadpool. I mean, the Deadpool three is pretty much dead because they don't want to make it. Even though the first two have been smashed hits like they. Yeah. can already super. I,
1: I really do. I, I hope that they decide to. I, I don't think they're going to come back with Buena Vista or anything like that. I think they really do need to have a a studio for for the adult for 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 the R-rated movies because it's it's not even. I mean, a business, so you're leaving money on the table. But I mean, you can't. If it's it's silly to to. I mean, that that's worse. I think than censorship. It's like no, we're not going to we're, we're not going to produce any. We're gonna own these characters and, and these properties, but not do anything in the setting that that benefit that, that would be able to tell the best stories with them. Like nobody, nobody wants to see uh, the Ripley as a Disney princess. I don't, I, I don't want that to be a thing. There just needs to, so, so, so let let them make more good Aliens movies. And if it's rated R's, so fucking be it. I I I don't I preach to the choir, but it's just it, it's silly to have a studio like Disney. That owns these things that that deserve to be told in certain s- settings and and you're you're right out the gate you're going to kneecap the the creativity i it, it i I'm baffled by it and and to get back to to vince's thing about Mike dude mike richardson is is listed as the creator of the mask so i mean i yeah i mean i'll I'll toast to him, but I'm not, again. I'm,
0: well, yeah, I'm just not going to take a flamethrower to his career.
1: Oh, no, but no. that's,
2: no, I, I don't, that's what I'm saying. I just do, it's interesting, like, rooting against him and, like, shedding a tear, I guess, is his word dap. And I kind of recall when you said you're shedding a tear because it's like, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know the guy from Adam, but what I do know is that uh, he, I, 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 I guess he's, I guess maybe he, he's defensively, he loyal, he's loyal to his people, but, you know, I don't know. By the way, Ridley Scott apparently just recently said that now that Disney owns the rights, he would love to do another movie. Awesome, so, he said. He always wanted to. He said, "No one ever asked the question in the first one: Why were they in a Warcraft flying ship with a cargo full of eggs, if not to go invade somewhere?" So, I, I guess that's what he's uh, he would have in mind
0: in, invading Earth, Vince. In in what the first Alien yeah well initially they weren't and they were in a cargo ship and there was no eggs they brought them into the eggs because ash was working with um the company to bring them to weaponize the aliens back on earth so it was built into the franchise from the get-go there was always rumors in fact the the novels back way back in the day there was an earth war novel they the whole modus operandi behind the the company was to get these things on Earth to weaponize them. It's it's a trail that's gone through all of aliens. So for him to say, you know, they're coming Earth. That's been built in from the get go, right?
2: I I don't know. Maybe you see now. I'll just read you the quote. He said, uh, "What I always thought when I was making the first one was, why would a creature like this be made, and why was it traveling in what I always thought was a kind of warcraft, which is carrying a cargo of these eggs? What was the purpose of the vehicle? And what was the purpose of the eggs?" Right he's not
0: he's not uh doesn't have brain damage they were intended to be weaponized it, yeah, more so, more so in the he second wants, he wants to follow that up yeah well good that's what Alien 3 should have been for real <laughs> not that bullshit cracking Newt's ribs in front of us like they were
2: friggin chicken legs no unrelated but related uh the second Terminator uh the one with the, the liquid dude. Yeah. Uh huh. Robert Patrick. It did not age well. You don't think so? No. It was. I just watched it the other day with uh, one of the kids. Like it's.
1: Ed, I mean, Edward Furlong's a douche, but I mean, I don't. I, I think
2: it's ter It's so. It's terribly paced. Ham-fisted dialogue. The well, effects, I, it, Cameron, I think the effects do not uh, age well. One of the, well, I one of the best
0: nuclear fallouts ever
2: in in cinema, though
0: when she's holding on to that fence and that bomb goes yeah, off shit true. Yeah, true. <laughs> come on true.
1: i i saw it recently i didn't i um i mean it's it rose colored glasses for me i don't i i saw it in the theater with my grandfather i i still yeah i i know i know as, as much as i enjoyed the first one i i could cringe at some of that um just because of of age but i don't know i um there are some things that are cringeworthy the whole, I mean, the, the, the Guns N' Roses soundtrack or uh, there, are, mm-hmm. there are parts uh, or the way, the way John treats his, his foster parents. I mean, there's, there's shit that annoys me, but as far as um, the, cha- I mean, getting, getting Sarah out of the, out of the psych ward and, and the, um, and, and the whole chase scene with, with the T-1000 after them. um, Yeah. I, and, and because Arnold is so stiff with the whole host of I mean, that's, it's funny if it's supposed to be, but I don't, yeah, I don't. I, you're probably right. You're, I'm sure you're right where it is, it's, it's hard to watch, especially, I mean, if, especially if it's the first time you're going to see, and I know it's not you, but it, if, if it's someone you're going to say, hey, you should watch this, I, I, I watched this in, in the 90s, it was great. And then someone's going to watch it and be like, yeah, I don't, I don't fuck like your smoke pop, but, um, well, art doesn't
0: age. So there you go. seriously I got something else what you got Um, totally unexpected and probably uh, you'll get a, a, a wry chuckle out of me reading something like this but it looked good to me at the time so I jumped into it and I was rewarded because I thought it was pretty damn good it was written by Delilah Dawson illustrated by Francesco Gaston Color art by Sebastian Cheng. Uh, lettering and design by Sean Lee, which I thought was important to mention. Published by IDW. It's called Star Pig.
1: Hmm.
0: Either of you uh, check this out? Nah, no, can't say that I have. It's not about my wife, it's about a tardigrade. Do you know what a tardigrade is? Yes, because
1: I watched Star Trek Discovery. But I, yeah. I knew it before that. Began. Yeah,
0: it's a it's a moss piglet. Or what do they call them? Uh, water bears. Multi-armed. Well, in, in our reality, they're semi-microscopic creatures. They have no eyes with the big um, round mouth thing. Looks like a suction. They're, they're
2: not attractive yeah. creatures, right? Beautifully rendered by Cliff Chang in Paper Girls, by the
0: way. Right. It opens... With a bunch of teens on a, a what looks to be like a very small starship, and they're heading to space camp. All the teens within this this uh, vessel are very intelligent, super super nerdy. They're they're the uh, intelligentsia, whatever, and they're going to this space camp for you know enrichment training, whatever. Uh, but they never get there because. Uh, an asteroid or space debris, something hits the ship, cracks it in half, all of the uh, passengers, uh, they die. It's not a feel-good beginning, uh, except one, uh, a young lady named Vess Singh Rodriguez. And she gets sucked out into the vacuum of space because she did not have her seatbelt on. She was she had her little music player in her ears and she was thinking of something else. She wasn't listening to the captain saying, Yo, we got some turbulence coming up, you better buckle in. She wasn't listening, she wasn't paying attention, and um kid across from her is like pointing to her belt, you know Buckle up, but she doesn't do it, and because she didn't do that, she got sucked out of the ship. Well, it turns out that was a very fortuitous event because outside the ship was this giant pink tardigrade space tardigrade and it takes her into his mouth and in doing so saves her he's sentient but he can't talk so her life is saved and she starts to communicate with this tardigrade that can alter its body mass seemingly at whim it's giant when they encounter it uh later on in the story he it shifts down to a size that could um accompany certain areas that that are detailed in the story but so the the tardigrade has uh, vests in its mouth and up comes uh, another ship another spaceship and the tardigrade's like um okay they're pulled into the ship turns out that the uh, pilot of said ship is uh, a scavenger a vulture and earth is the cultural nexus of the galaxy all the alien races in the galaxy just fawn over earth pop culture detritus it is like the nexus they they think it's the greatest thing the pinnacle of of evolution they they find it, the earth artifacts are very very valuable in this universe especially an actual living breathing earthling whom no one has encountered before i find that hard to believe uh behind, before this incident the pilot of this ship is a sentient spore cloud named johnny b good if that doesn't tell you his motivations i don't think anything will uh he's got a cargo hold full of just earth artifacts there's a, a a transformer there's some my little ponies in there uh, a commodore computer an Atari. there's a mac what looks like five nights at freddy's like those animatronic creatures there's a big boy uh holding up the hamburger uh, and and she goes she walks into the room and she goes whoa and he, and the this the johnny b good says oh do you like keanu reeves i have one he has the corpse of Keanu Reeves in a tube, a, a liquid-filled tube that's part of his collection. It's kind of nuts, right? But it turns out that this Johnny B. Good, uh See, every instance in this book are people exploiting this poor girl. This, this sentient spore cloud just wants her as part of his collection. He's going to put her in a freaking tube. So she kind of gets the... the the bead on this thing and he has this old um robot butler suit that doesn't work and she's like oh i can i can fix that for you maybe you can feel what it's like to have arms and legs and he's like okay try it out so she fixes the robot suit and he goes into it and she traps him in in it she pushes it down and it, it the one uh shortcoming of this robot suit was like a turtle should it ever be placed on its back, it can't get up. It can't, there's no way it's getting up. So she has it trapped and through the miracle of duct tape. Um, but she, in, in doing so, things happen and she hits her head and gets a concussion. And so she needs medical attention. Luckily, there's a star base nearby. And she gets to the star base. And wouldn't you know it, the doctor there, who's never had a real life human being, uh, in his uh, presence, this Dr. Echozar looks exactly like a human being. So that raises a red flag, right? And th- th- he's around her age, and he just so happens to be a perfect oasis of pretty boy androgyny. He's cute, and she thinks he's cute, and there's an attraction, but the guy has ulterior motives, as does everyone that encounters this poor v- uh, vest, except for. Theo, that's the tardigrade. And that's the the heart of this book is the relationship that forms between Theo and Vess. It's awesome. There's a lot of jokes based on misuse of language, which is, is cute and funny. You know, there's a lot of pulp, cu- pulp culture references, Star Wars, of course, and everything that we hold dear. You know, you'll find instances of it in this book. But I thought exploitation aside it's a it was a fun read it, it it spirited me away from the stuff that's happening you know outside our windows i thought it was a uh, a very innocent cute buddy picture uh, the equivalent of a buddy movie right um the the vest seems to have um a genuine affinity for—I mean, it did save his, her life—but they're they're actually friends, uh, and the design of the creature when when you pair this tardigrade next to a a, a, a young human female, it looks neat, right? It, it's like one of these things is not like the other, kind of the the juxtaposition of semi grotesque with the tardigrade and Vess is very fetching, very attractive, very smart. So it's she's not eye candy, although there's one section where um, she's trying on different uh, clothing, like uh, Victorian and blah, blah, blah. And it's like a montage. And they use the fact that it's a montage as an inside joke to the reader. Like she'll actually exclaim, montage. And then later on in the book, there's another montage. She'll say, you know, another montage. So it's, it's like not quite breaking the fourth wall, but a little bit of a nudge and a wink to the to the reader i thought it was a lot of fun totally unexpected you know uh, uh, very unplanned Uh, i saw it i i thought the cover looked cool and so i read it and i was glad i did i guess it was a four issue um series at idw and this is the collected edition of of that uh, it's it's very eye catching, very clean, which is why I, I would say if you take a look at the art, you're going to be like, this is definitely not in your wheelhouse, and that is true. But it didn't dissuade me from finishing it. I thought it was great. So the art, uh, the art is very functional. It uh, the you know there's not a lot of chances taken. There's not a lot of experimentation. It's it it's in service of the story and does it very well so i mean if you're looking for something some light entertaining reading with a lot of heart i think you should check out star pig of the both of you i think david would enjoy this more why is that well he likes the pop culture stuff i mean you do too but david is more in the nerd zone with pop culture you're you're more in the what does that mean? Why did you say that? You know, you're more analytical, and I think mm-hmm. th- there's not a whole lot of analytical in this book. Mm. It's it's just straight escapist fun. I liked it a lot. Really? I like the art a lot. It looks great, right? It doesn't look like something I would glom onto, right? Seriously. Yeah.
1: But it's really well done. Uh, yeah, that, it kind of reminds. Yeah, yeah, I like the sort of. Wow. Yeah, this. I'm surprised the way the art is. Super clean. Yeah, super, super clean. Yeah, right. douche,
0: douche. Great, very nice line work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, and there's yeah. a lot of twists and turns in the in the story. I mean, it, it's it's pretty wonderful, actually.
1: Oh, I'm totally to keeping an eye out for it.
0: Yeah. Um, Theo's my favorite. I mean, he's just awesome. He's just he he doesn't know where he's from or how to get there. Uh, she's been thrust into a situation where she can't get back. To where she's from, uh, I just thought it it it, it meshed really well. Um, they were unfortunate companions that turned into friends.
1: <laughs> of course, you like Theo. <laughs> yeah, he's cute. <laughs> he is cute. He's I know. A star pig. Oh, this is great. Damn. Yeah, Doctor's a douche, but it is. Uh, I, I, oh, I'm so th- it, it, it's seven ninety nine on Comicsology right now.
0: There you go. Well worth it. Um, There's silly things in it. When she wakes up after he's done a uh, medical procedure on her, she has a uh, Justin Timberlake medical gown. Like it, it, it's just silly, but it's it's it it made it kind of made me smile. So, well worth it. You need a little bit of smiling these days, right?
1: Absolutely, yeah. you do. You do. Um, although. I, it's so I, I I read something that I picked up yesterday at the shop. I'm I'm glad um, my dog dragged me over there uh, over the weekend because they asked me if I was interested in this one shot. Um, and considering the only other thing I had to pick up was the latest issue of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I said why not? And uh, so that one shot is from Robert Kirkman and Charlie Adlard. And it's called Negan lives with an exclamation point. Um, and when I went to pick up my books yesterday, I was told it's a good thing. I did say yes. And to add it to my file, because the phone, pretty much every phone call they took Wednesday, uh, was because people were asking for this book. Um, and they, they they got enough. They got enough for, for their Walking Dead customers, their former Walking Dead customers, and um I mean they were not on the shelf when I was there yesterday. Um I don't know if they'll be able to get any more. I don't know how many were published. Um the Back Matter uh basically says that um Robert and Charlie decided to do this. Um because, uh, since, um, well, the back matter basically says, uh, we last see Negan in, um, The Walking Dead number, I think, uh, 174. And, and apparently, and I believe Kirkman has mentioned this elsewhere, but, but Negan was supposed to die in that issue, Maggie was supposed to kill. Negan he that that's what he wrote in the script and and the reason Negan lived is because Charlie wrote to uh to Kirkman and said you know if this is what we're doing I'm this I'm fine he said I just want to voice I I just want to say this to you um and so be it and and because of uh because of the way um explained his his uh his thoughts um it caused Kirkman to change his mind. And uh I guess because the, the Adlard said, um, uh this is no criticism at you at all to, to Kirkman. Um, it's more of a criticism of Western, at least literature entertainment, where because the majority of us find the death penalty, therefore an eye for an eye adage abhorrent, we carried out in our fantasy. Um Hardly any Western villain gets away with not dying at the end. We as an audience always demand the ultimate punishment for our fantasy bad guys. It's a shame we didn't break the mold with Negan, the baddest of bad guys, but very far down the road to redemption and forgiveness. Who pays the usual ultimate price? Death. Uh, Imagine if he lived what we could say about our society. So um, because of that, Kirkman pivot and um, and so. Negan lives, and at the end of uh, the last issue of The Walking Dead, that's what he wrote. P.S. Negan lives, and um, so they never really expected to go back to Negan at all. So uh, a couple months ago, back in March, uh, Eric Stevenson and Kirkman were um, were on the phone. With Bill Shanes, formerly of Diamond Comics, Pacific Comics, one of the elder sages of our fine industry. Look him up if you okay, so Bill was laying out what he saw as the current landscape and where he thought things would land when the pandemic had passed and stores started opening back up. So um Bill was basically looking for creators, asking creators to uh to come up with with, with big deals, like the whole um back our comeback or whatever the hell it says on the latest previews. But um so the back to comeback initiative, um, to drive people into stores. So he decided that, um, uh, he and Charlie laid out the goal of driving people to stores, how we do the book for free, uh, paying for the production and printing ourselves, donate all the money to the stores. Um, and, and so that's where we are. So, um, the book, the one shot uh spot varnish cover. Um it's uh it's it's Negan um visiting Lucille's gravesite. Um, and he uh talks to himself a lot. This young woman, he he goes into his home that uh that he's made and, and he's about to uh prepare dinner and there's this young woman standing off to the side and and seriously, not, not a hair at a place, We're a mini skirt, clean as can be. Um, it's almost like he's imagining her, but but no, she's a real thing. They have dinner, um and and then you know, she starts coming on to him and, and Negan's not a fool. And he's like, All right, so you might as well just you know, uh, how many of you are there and 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 what are you waiting to do and blah, blah, blah. So He's onto her um onto them uh, a couple of dudes come out and um and they start attacking him and and there's a whole uh whole conversation between Negan and these fools um and it doesn't end well for everybody but um but it ends with uh, with, with 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 Negan smiling and uh it it was it's it it was a I, I enjoyed it as, as a, uh, as a one shot, as, um, it was, uh, you know, it, it, it's been a minute since, cause I'm, I'm not watching the show currently. So I have no idea what the hell's going on. It was nice to see the character again, um, in, in this setting, but yeah, I, um, you know, kudos to, to Robert and Charlie for, for helping out comic shops. Um, and, uh, it, it, it felt like it felt like a walking dead comic it wasn't like it didn't feel like you know what would normally maybe feel like a cash grab or uh someone trying to claw their way back to hey remember when we had to? it was just this was it was kind of a a perfect time kind of thing um and and there's a bit of uh you could tell this wasn't planned because even with even with some of the um uh some of the word and the conversations that take place um, with 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 uh, Negan and Lucy talking about um, the new normal and and how easy it is to accept the way things are and and um, talking to people who are now gone and and uh, but are going to come back and try to you know eat your face things like, and just just how easy it is and quick the the people in this world were able to to accept um this new normal. Um it it, it kind of I, I don't necessarily know if it was the tonic, but it um it it and it by no means is be considered light or, or uh something to take your mind away from, from current affairs. But I, I thought um I across the board I thought it was a I thought it was a well done one shot. I it's think it's smart of
2: them to do stuff like that. I'm, i I think that's. I. I said in my uh, previews video this past month that I think that uh, my 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 call on that is that my shot is that uh,
1: saga will be coming back. Oh, sooner than they expected to. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I okay. was like, oh, because I, because I noticed in the last previews that they were soliciting all the saga stuff heavy. And I thought, including some new plushies and stuff. And I thought, oh, okay, that's interesting. And then I thought, well, Kirkman's been telling people that they're trying to pull out all the stops to get the, the comic market going right. So wouldn't that be something that uh, you know was supposed to be a one-year hiatus for a Saga, and it's been over two, um, and there's been no talk of, of when and how it will return? So wouldn't that be something if if, uh, if if they're ready to to come back? Because that was definitely a book that um outside of marvel and dc was 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 a major major driver of people coming into stores yeah. so yeah, it's a wonderful gesture
0: for comic shops
2: yeah it is right i mean you yep. can't front on it can't no. front on it Yep. he's got the power That's true we got the power speaking of image uh image partners it is a uh, mr rob liefeld and his lovely bride's 25th wedding anniversary today <laughs>
1: I still remember i i could not I, I with a goddamn grin in my face, however the hell old I was when that first issue came out i i, I don't even know if it may have been the second or third issue, but I remember when he, I can propose to her and in that that two page spread in young blood and and that was that was great i it was silly and and I wasn't a jaded adult when I read it but um even when I was a kid, I was like, that's that's sweet. That's cool. Like, good for them. Absolutely.
0: It's a long time. It is.
2: You yeah. got to be right around there, right, Vince? You're more. Uh, what are you?
0: I think 27 or 28. <laughs> Damn. Yeah.
1: Damn. Yeah. How about that shit? Well, Damn. some people have done bids. Jesus. Really?
0: Well, Nina's twenty two, so yeah. Right. Yep. What'd you do? There you <laughs> go. So happy and wonderful. Do we have anything else before we
1: shove on? Um I um because it's it's uh it's lantern's I mean, it eightieth anniversary, if you didn't know. Um I do have an issue with, with uh since DC is doing the the decades variant covers and for the most part they're they're fitting um they looked apart the what have you i was not a fan i mean i enjoyed the drawing by um by nicholas scott but i did not care for the 1940s variant um because it was alan scott front and center posed with pretty much every other green lantern behind him as i was like, it, didn't need that that aside from the logo it had nothing to do with the 40s and i mean then the detective comics ones were neat with when when you've got frank miller doing one for the eight or the um the 80s you got the bernie wrights and i for the most part i've enjoyed seeing the covers on how dc is presenting the the, the different decades but but the Alan scott one was was just was weird but the Alan scott story inside uh this special was um was pretty good uh it, it was um it looked great because it was it was illustrated by um Gary Frank with Steve on colors. Uh, it was written by James Tinian, and it um, it definitely wasn't a story that could have been told when it the character was was new, um, because it deals with Green Lantern's origin a bit on the train with the lamp, um, and and Alan is going to visit this woman, this older woman, um, Doris Henton. Um, he's there to talk about her son Jimmy, and um, so she's like, "Well, he he passed last spring," and I was like, "Yeah, I know." Um, I was uh, I I was with him on the train, and and she's like, "I was told there weren't any survivors." He goes, "Well, uh, I was the only one," um, but she's like, "You know, you're a little bit too well dressed, well mannered to be on some stinking cold." driven train. Like, I don't, you would seem a little out of place to me. Um, he's like, well, I'm an engineer. I figured out how to make things work. And, um, and I was, uh, I was also, um, trying to get away from myself and, um, it's not so subtle, subtle enough that, uh, that Jimmy and Alan, were together on that train and, um, and Alan wasn't able to escape, um, himself and the way he felt and behaved and acted. So, um, they it was just one of those things where here's a reminder where, we're, we're retconning Alan Scott, but I thought, I, I thought Tinian was, um, did a good job with it. It, it. it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily a Green Lantern story where, you know, he's hanging out, um, with uh with any sidekicks or or we see him using his powers it's just it's 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 a heart-to-heart heart with with alan and um and this woman the the story by the story of involving hal jordan it's written by jeff johns um art by uh yvonne rice and um claire albert and alex and carol colors this was this is Hal kind of giving his last will and testament because his ring is losing power. Um, and the ring can't locate. The, the the location setting on the ring is busted. No idea where it is. Um, it's a desert-looking planet, or at least where Hal is, is very desert-looking. Um, so the ring has enough power to send three messages before full shutdown. So the first message Hal sends is to, it, it's a distress signal to the core. Um, and if you copy this, I'm stranded on an unknown world in need of immediate assistance. Um, if you read me, you should be able to get to my location. So um, message number two, I'm not sure how I feel about it. It's, it's the Bruce. Um, and he says, so my luck might have run out. Took on an enemy without a parachute, landed in the middle of the ocean. Uh, anyway, I need to make this quick. I wanted to tell you I'm sorry. When we first met with the rest of the league, you were quiet. But whenever you said something, everyone listened because you're so damn smart. I wish I were as smart as you. Uh, instead, there's something in me that tells me I got to keep proving myself over and over. Like, I'm not good enough to wear this ring. But you don't need a ring. And I've always been envious of that. Um so without you, I'd probably be dead or worse. I'd still be parallax. Um, you made me face my flaws, my fears, and, and basically thanking Bruce for teaching him humility. Um, and then his final message is for Carol. Um, and then the ring shuts down. And Hal can breathe. And so he looks over the ridge and... It's Vegas in the distance. So my man's on Earth, and um, and unfortunately the rings without power, so it can't recall those messages. So the final panel is basically the whole Justice League, um, enjoying having a laugh at um, at Hal's expense. Um, there's a Sinestro story which is pretty pretty neat, um, illustrated by, uh, by Doug Monkey, um, written by Cullen Bunn, and it's uh it's it's a sinister story they i Doug's art is great but but cullen has a good handle on the character i like i like his Sinestro a lot um dude brooks no bullshit so um he uh he does what he says he's going to do there's a mike grell drawn story written by denny o'neill um with green lantern and green arrow where they take on uh or Green Arrow takes on the clocking real quick and then starts beating the shit out of him uh, a little bit too much, um, and Hal comes in to kind of rescue him and they have a little bit of a heart to heart, and they uh, they talk about Henry David Thoreau and and um, it's it feels like that it feels like the hard travel the space traveling heroes time. There's a uh, Ron Mars and Daryl Banks story featuring. Kyle Rayner, um, which kind of um, which is weird because it's because it's 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 definitely pre Tom King Omega Men White Lantern type thing, um, but it looks great. There's a story with Kyle with with Guy and Kilowog um, by Tomasi and uh, Fernando Passerin and Wavon Badger there's a really neat story with John Stewart and, um, and Hawkgirl, which is kind of, um, which is, which is illustrated by Chris Cross and written by Charlotte Fullerton, uh, actually Charlotte McDuffie. So, so Dwayne's spouse. Um, and it's a, uh, it's basically an homage to, to Dwayne's work on justice league unlimited. Since these two characters were shown plenty, um, and they take on Doctor Polaris. The there's a there's a weird story um, that takes place many years from now, where an older Hal Jordan, an older John Stewart, and an older Kyle Rayner meet every year over drinks and tell stories about Guy. And because in this setting Guy is gone, that's written by uh, Robert Venditti with art by Rafa Sandoval. Alex, it, it's a great looking story. It's a sweet story. Then the last two stories, I kind of just I saw that they were there, but they're about the um, the two new Green Lanterns, uh, Jessica and Baz. But it wasn't a bad um, anthology. There, there. I, I enjoyed the hits um, a lot of of the of the 80th anniversaries that I've read. Um, I think pound for pound i probably enjoyed um i may have enjoyed more the robin stories than this one um so far the detective comics one was 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 good but um it didn't have as many uh strong stories but i i i really enjoyed the lineup the the creative lineup on on these um in his collection. So it was uh and, and then they have some pinup pages. Uh Joe Staden, drawing guy, um a uh a, a pretty funky uh Raphael grandpa doing a Hal Jordan. Um got my girl Joe from um Far Sector. So yeah, it it, it was a um it was an entertaining collection, I'll say that.
0: There you go. Aside from the covers, there any Liam Sharp pages.
1: There are no Liam Sharp pages. Uh, he does that. Yeah, he's got the main, uh, the main cover, but, um, but nothing on the interior. Mm. I know. There you go. All right,
0: everybody. Hey, we thank you so much for being here with us. We hope you return. You know where to go if you want rock-bottom prices on comics and all that other stuff that's in the previous catalog. Discount Comic Book Service. How many times we got to say it? DCBservice.com are the absolute best. They'll get you what you want when you want it and they'll bring it right to your door. They're like Avon for comics. So go there. In your travels. Um Jason may give me a side eye, but this <clears throat> this book is not comics. It's a monograph. It's the art of, well, technical, the definition of monograph. It's the art from one person. So why am I bringing this to the table? Why is this book important? Well, the book is called I Am Not of This Planet. It is The Art of Gary Edson Arlington. It's published by Last Gasp. And you're wondering, who's this Gary Edson Arlington? This guy should be a household name in comics because he's very, very important not only on the retail side, editorial, publisher, the artistic side. This guy did it all. In fact, he opened what is widely regarded as the first comic book shop ever in 1968, the San Francisco Comic Book Company. Marvel's Flo Steinberg was an employee of this shop, as was Simon Deitch and Rory Haynes. This guy published work from Robert Crum. He did two issues of Mr. Natural. He published S. Clay Wilson, Art Spiegelman, Justin Green, Spain, Trina Robbins, Melinda Gebby, Rick Griffin, Bill Griffith, Dory Sita, Kim Dietsch. I mean, if you look at the annals of underground comic history, this guy is extremely important. Um... He also published Rory Haynes' first comic. And if you remember, a lot of years ago, I talked about Rory Haynes' book from uh, Fanagraphics, the Where the Demented Wented. It's a great book, but it's not for everyone. So um, Arlington is, is super important, uh, but I just wanted to make people aware of this guy's existence because he seems to be a footnote in comics history, and he shouldn't be. He should be way up there. Um, depending on your tastes, he's as important to underground comics as Stan was to mainstream comics. He opened a lot of doors. He instigated a lot of books. His his shop was like the nexus for all these Bay Area guys to show up, talk about what they wanted to do, just hang out, look at my art, look, this is what I did. Oh, you should do this kind of book. You know, it, it, he's crucial to the history. His art is, um, I, I love it, but it, it may be an acquired, it's definitely an acquired taste. It's, uh, it, it treads stylistic, uh, areas like art brute and, and modern primitive. There's very much a, uh, a large naive component to his work and an outsider, uh, vibe. He basically does, Faces. He'll do toothy faces that range from, and and, and there's there's typography uh, inserted into the the composition where they'll either be self-deprecating or Stuart Smalley type personal affirmations. The, like he, the the one I'm putting in the gallery is just a, this this crazy uh, naive face saying my tongue itches like y- you will get out of it what you want right um but he used uh, more often than not, he used markers and sharpies because cleanup's a breeze um it's it's just a guy loving what he does and uh just so happens that the man is extremely important to um the history of comics So I wanted to uh, bring it to the table. I Am Not of This Planet by Gary Edson Arlington from Last Gasp. Nice. Yeah. Last Gasp.
1: Uh, Continuing my digging through things picked up at conventions. Um, I think this was, this may have been, Actually, Vince, this may have been Heroes because uh, I'm pretty sure you were next to me when I grabbed the three issues of Girl by Milligan and Fagredo under Vertigo's Verite imprint. It may have been Heroes. It was probably New York Comic Con because I don't know if was, I don't know if I've had these for this long, um, but I finally read it. And again, it's not necessarily something that's keeping in with any sort of potential lighthearted theme we were hoping for but um this was i i enjoyed this way more than i thought i would uh it's only three issues i i got it on the cheap um and i got it because vince said that um that i'd likely uh i'd probably enjoy it and 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 you were right it's um it's weird i i um I feel bad for Simone in some cases and 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 Simone is, is the girl in question um she uh she has a fucked up family she she tends to daydream um things are not uh necessarily what she says the way they are isn't necessarily how uh how they are in the real world or in real life so um as as things start to come into focus or explained by the people around her uh as things really are it um it can kind of sort of make sense for art is absolutely fantastic. I, I, uh, I adored it. Um, Peter Milligan writes some flawed and, and even, and and as as crazy as some of the things are in here, uh, believable characters. I mean, I don't believe everybody's family would act this way, but I can see things the family say as actually, Coming to pass because I'm pretty sure my own family has said some stupid, fucked up shit like this. So, um, it's, it's like I said, you feel for Simone. I don't know if this was collected. Uh, if, if you get a chance to, uh, find these issues, um, I would definitely recommend it. It was, um, originally published in the, uh, late summer, early fall of uh, 1996. Um, but yeah, In Your Travels, if you come across it, I would encourage you, recommend Girl by uh, Peter Milligan and Duncan Fergredo.
0: I'll always recommend Greto stuff, regardless. of No 100%.
1: yeah.
2: 100%.
0: I don't care what it's
2: about. I mean, the art's just great. That's yeah. truth. Soothsayer Bonavoli over there. Um, all right, In Your Travels, I I got to read something this week that I thought I would never get to read. Because Jason Aaron and R.M. Guerra, who (laughs) were uh, my, uh, you know, arguably my favorite creative partners for a long time when they were doing Scalped, uh, got back together way back in 2015, believe it or not. Can't believe it's been that long. Talk about time flying. To put out The Goddamned first volume um, before the flood. And that was uh, a basically brutal. Like stark, viscerally real, gory version of biblical uh, lore—sort of what if stories in the Bible were adapted by, uh, you know, into by a, a, a grim and gritty real-world director—and um, uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit, uh, as I think you did as well, Vince. Um, but it then it kind of went dead. I mean, it was supposed to be uh, arcs, six-issue arcs, and. It, Take a couple months off to do the next one, so forth, so on. And like many things, um, I guess the best-laid plans. I don't know what RM was up to in the meantime, but but uh we didn't get any more goddamn, so I had almost forgotten about it and just thought, okay, it was just a little asterisk in the Pantheon of Jason Aaron comics. But um, lo and behold, um we got a second-well, we got the first issue of the second volume. Uh, and that is the goddamned, the virgin brides number one. And it um, Whereas the first volume begins with Genesis 6.11, the second volume begins with uh, Genesis 6.4, uh, which is uh, – because, you know, me with the scripture, I have it all memorized. Um, <laughs> uh, hold on, hold on. I had it here bookmarked. There um, we go. Okay. Uh, the sons of God came unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them. Uh, and that's what the story really is about. But it's, again, this is a viscerally stank, dirty, almost, like, crossed version of this stuff. And so where we find us is we are uh, in a mountain, mountainous area. There is a village, a nunnery, where a bunch of very young, I mean, like, disturbingly young Girls are being raised, and when they when they get their menses when they have puberty um, that that basically that day the uh crew from on the top of the mountaintop come down and get them and uh, bring them up to uh to meet their husband, who has already been arranged and uh their husband, as it turns out well we, we the first issue is basically uh, the story of of this one girl, Lillian, who is ready she's flowered. So they're bringing Lillian up the mountain, and she's she's inquisitive, saying, "What is he like? Have you seen him? Tell me about him?" And, and the people that are escorting her are like, "Shut your mouth. It's nothing you never you don't open your mouth unless he tells you to, so forth, and so on uh, and then uh, they they get up there and uh, she stands on the edge of the mountain, and suddenly, boom, she's gone into the clouds, and you realize that she is being wedded to an angel, essentially. But this ain't your, this ain't your Sunday school, Gabriel like smiling down upon you, angel. These are and Vince probably knows this because he's into the, uh, the, the 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 strange and occult. These are the nephilim. These are the the, the dirty monstrous angels that 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 some uh, conspiracy theorists even argue are aliens that uh, came to the earth and everything. And uh, so she she all you see is is her disappear from the mountain. You see, uh. The skies and the clouds and all of a sudden just the most visceral screams of of, of writhing pain coming from the clouds and um, then the story shifts to two girls um, who have not yet flowered uh, who are wondering what happened to their friend Lillian and uh, their names are Shari and Gile and uh, Shari is um, she's a bit of, of, a, of a firebrand she's She's questions things, she's she's skeptical, dubious, concerned. And Giles more of the uh ideologue, the, oh, but it's gonna be great, you know? I mean, this is this is God's will. We're gonna repair we're it up, it's gonna be awesome. And uh, straight out of uh Indiana Jones Temple of Doom, the girls escape from their dormitory one night to try and track down their friend Lillian and see what's it doing, and they find out. What happens when you get married off and you get uh, pulled up into the clouds? And uh, let me just say that it is nothing that anybody wants to either see or become a part of. Um, And we see a bunch of fully verbose, fully conscious, uh, little impish, uh, cherubish, uh, demonic demon babies, angel babies, devouring everyone in sight and doing so gleefully um and so the girls are like oh shit we gotta get to the fuck up out of here before we uh we flower and uh and that's the setup and I presume the rest of the, the series will be them trying to escape their fate whether they do or not is uh, probably dubious based on how the first arc of the goddamn went I'm guessing part of this is that uh, your fate is your fate in this world um but uh yeah it's it's nasty it's 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 this is more for the fans of um of of Robert E. Howard than it is for our our devout Christian friends that may be listening <laughs> um, you know honestly i i don't i don't want to be dismissive and say that i'm sure there are plenty of Christian identifying comic fans that could read this and and take it for what it is because it is just an adaptation it 's fiction and I don't know that you'd be offended by it, but but it is definitely raw. It's 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 grimy. It's it's gory, and uh, it definitely calls into question the very nature of being in, in its worst ways. Um, so uh, this is right in my alley. This is uh, this is my kind of thing. Um, <laughs> I, I would I would read the Bible cover to cover if it was like this but uh but alas uh you know your mileage may vary but if if you enjoyed the first volume um or perhaps were unaware of the first volume but enjoy Guerra's art which i think is great i mean it, it's, it's it's straight out of any kind of of uh post mobius homage to, uh, uh Vandersona i mean very much of that that camp um it's great. I, I thought it was a great first issue, and I'm, I'm, su- I'm super stoked to have it back. I, I like I said, I'd given up on the idea of having more goddamned.
1: Did the um did the first volume have that subtitled name attached to it, or is it like are we retconning it like Star Wars in Episode Four? Is it because I, I always knew it was just the goddamned. I didn't know that this new yeah, volume. Yeah, no, was going it, to... it was
2: the goddamned originally, and then right. when they put out the oversized hardcover which i have it was called then subtitled before the flood okay the original arc was just called the god to end
0: fyi the nephilim are purported to be the anunnaki from the planet Nibiru.
2: i was going to say i knew there were some alien conspiracies regarding the nephilim so there you are yes
0: if you yes. believe zechariah uh a sitchin the uh, uh, and even von Daniken says that the uh, the Nephilim were uh, were not of this world. So, there you I go. I mean, not wow. not of this world, meaning uh, to ter- uh, heavenly. They were actually right. flesh and blood aliens. Yeah, right. There you go. Nice. Yeah, I like the goddamned. Um, not only is it a uh, well constructed, uh, well visualized comic, it pisses people off so i I, I, I like it for that too it is i mean but it is beautiful all right everybody uh thank you for being here with us i gotta shout out our booze rod hedrick and hassan for uh doing something they shouldn't have done but i'm glad that they done did it um if you want more of this kind of stuff Go to Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, and Instagram because there's a whole lot more beyond this little audio thing. And, um, check out our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. One, one, no apostrophe. In the meantime, say good night.
1: Mm
0: hmm, David,
1: good night. I'll leave I that. A Taco Bell? No, I don't know. Oh, I'm just—I haven't seen any. David, I've seen the like the gordita and the chalupa. I've never seen a chimichanga.
0: Well, the menu item of choice for my boy is the cheesy Frito burrito.
2: And sounds deliciously bad for you. Yeah, yes. and he gets four of them. Well, I mean, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, he eats four. Really he beats with that high metabolism. grown boy. Yeah, I seriously. told him to enjoy it while it lasts. Yeah, seriously, dude. Dude, I think about that all the time with my kids. They eat four thousand calories of pure carbohydrates every day. Yeah, minimum. And are skinny. And are skinny. I and mean, right? I'm like, man, I, I, you guys are establishing such horrible eating habits that when you get to be my age, you are going to be thick.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> well. There is football. So I'm sure he burns a good amount of it off, but uh he just consumes like crazy. I can't believe y'all are back. I mean
2: Collins no. training camp doesn't start until July twenty second and yep. uh yeah. And that's 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 still up in the air very much based on the way the the data is trending.
0: Well it is football. Sacrifices mm-hmm. must be made for the stupidity of throwing a, a ball around. No offense. Yourself, yeah. I know, so, I know, no offense. Um so yeah, everybody, we love doing this. We hope you enjoyed it. Come back next time. Say goodnight, people.
2: It's lady y'all. Good night, peeps.